Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. How informative is that really? Because if that's true, it can always be true of anything. Uh, There are going to be other causes that are maybe one step short of that, that are still a bit more practical, but they're still deep issues. And if you can't see them, you're never going to make much progress. And so that's why we wind up with something like this problem in the Army. This is Tom Fox. In this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds, Matt, Kelly, and I take a deep dive into a recent GAO report on the Army's SHARP program, which is designed to address sexual harassment problems in the Army and mine it for lessons for the compliance professional. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Before we get started, a quick word from our sponsor. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. And just to show you how far Matt goes into the weeds, he actually reads GAO reports for fun. And we're going to take up one of those fun events from Mr. Kelly today about compliance lessons from the Army. So, Matt, with that incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome. Tom, uh, I am always happy to be here, although I take great offense that you would say a GA report is anything other than thrilling reading for a professional. <laughs> so, Matt, you looked at one that dealt with a uh, really important issue that we've actually explored on this podcast which is sexual harassment in the Army and the Army's response. Uh, What did you see in this report that you thought would uh, help the compliance professional in more traditional compliance issues? So here's the the history here. You know, as listeners might recall, Tom, you and I have talked, I think, several times about this with sexual assault, which the Army is trying to tamp down uh, ineffectively. And this G report, that's the government account office, uh, that came out just the other week, actually stems from um, a Army act at the end of 2020. So the Army's had this long-running history of problems with sex assault, even though it's a dedicated program, known as I think that's Sexual Harassment and Assault Response Policy or Program. Uh, the SHARP program has been around for more than 15 years meant to encourage internal reporting to the Army about sexual assault on Army bases among soldiers and whatnot. Yet, we still have this problem where the Army's the number of sexual assaults are vastly underreported. And this has gone on for It reached this awful head in 2020 with the case of an Army specialist, a 20-year-old named Vanessa Guillen, who she was found murdered on Fort Hood, uh, later came to light that she had been by a fellow soldier on Fort Hood, who then, captured by the Army, escaped uh, custody within a few hours of them picking him up, and he he killed himself. So terrible mess. 
At the end of 2020, the Army suspended or fired 14 senior officers and directed GAO to please look at how we are doing well and struggling with encouraging internal reporting of sexual that GAO report finally what is this about 18 months later came out just last week and here we have large organization knows it has a problem has a policy and procedures to try to prevent that, that problem or reduce it the problem still exists so listeners in the does this sound familiar because I suspect it does and that's one of the I actually do like reading GAO reports, especially about the Defense Department, is that whatever organizational strains your company might have, the Defense Department has that in spades. And so I was just trying to out what some of the failures were. And I do think we have some lessons that can be learned for the corporate realm. From Matt, you identified four failures of policy implementation. Could you go through those for us? Here is what the GAO, and very specifically about policy failures. Not, not to say there were not other failures. Are we could get to those two if we, but the specific policy management failures the GAO found were first um, the sharp policy is itself disjointed. That is, there are key provisions about reporting sexual harassment that are scattered across multiple other army regulations and direct memoranda. So that's confusing for base commanders as they're trying to figure what is our policy about encouraging sexual assault reports, logging them, investigating them, resolving them. There is a policy, there is a procedure, but it's been scattered all over the place. So that's failure one. Failure two is the Army's policy itself does not necessarily align fully with Defense Department policy, which is even bigger than the Army. Um, and in areas such as, say, sexual assault victims, access to base commanders. There are some conflicting standards there between what the Pentagon says and what the Army actually says. And then third, contrary to Defense Department and Army policy, so separate from the second policy management failure we had, uh, there are other groups within the Army. Specifically, there are sexual response assault coordinators um, and Every base has one, and the GAO found those responses could not reach base command time to discuss problems with them, which was contrary to Army and Pentagon policies. That's third. And then finally, in fourth, the uh, GAO, found, GAO found that while the Defense Department and the Army do have resources available to base commanders to help them understand how can we deal with uh, reports of sexual assault? What's the right way to treat victims? How do we triage these cases, get them investigated? The resources are there, but commanders aren't always aware resources are there or all of them are there or how I should or shouldn't use and access those resources if I'm the base commander. So that's the fourth problem that we have. Matt, you were able to tease each one of those out for the broader compliance community. How did you see those relate to really everyday issues that many uh, CCOs and compliance functions face? Well, I, I do think that if you look at the abstract version of what those GAO failures were, or what the Defense Department failures were that the GAO at an abstract level, here's what we have. So flaws in policy management. That would be the first two problems there, that we do have these, but 
they're inconsistently applied or they're contradictory or not unified. So somebody to follow the policy might not know where to look or which version they're supposed to use. Laws and policy management, that can happen all the time. Um, we also have flaws in reporting mechanisms. Uh, so in a sexual assault uh, coordinator, who I guess would be something like a victim's advocate, we would say, um, when they have some interest in going to the base commander, they might not necessarily actually be able to get to them. We have this gatekeeper, because that's what they would be, uh, with an inability to reach a decision maker, the base commander. That is a flaw in the internal reporting channels. So that can happen at companies about what that would look like. Uh, and then also, I think that we have these flaws in training and communication, which are the fourth one that I had previously discussed there, where the resources for base commanders, they exist. They're out there, but don't necessarily know that the resources do exist or how to access them or how they're supposed to use them. That's a failure of training and communication. It's not necessarily the fault of the base commander. Um, so failures in what the reporting mechanisms are, failures in managing the policy, training and communication around the policy. We have talked about those problems ad nauseum in compliance land for many, many, many years. And this is just a more specific example within the Army of what so, and that's the part that really drew drew my attention and praise in this blog post, Matt, because uh, compliance professionals certainly understand the need for policy and procedures. They understand the need for training and communication, but matching those two up and what the department would say is your compliance, communication, and training effective. So here we have a prime example of where it's not effective and why that key term effectiveness is so critical in the DOJ's eyes. Yeah, it's really it's striking to me that um, the Army is a big problem and they have been working on it for years, uh, but they still seem unable to get out of their actually move the needle on. Uh, there was one great statistic or two statistics I'll throw out that from 2007 to, I think, about 2018, the number of sexual assaults and the number of sexual reports or sexual harassment reports, those things are treated differently. But the numbers of each one, harassment and assault, I think they more than doubled over a period of five to 10 years. Sounds like it's good and reports are going up, but the DOD also does surveys of the Army personnel. And the estimates are that while the number of reports is roughly doubled from, say, 1,200 to, I think, 2,500, the number of sexual assaults that government believes have happened in the Army, it's not 2,500. It's more than six or 7,000. And that's assaults. Now, the lesser standard of sexual, we're talking tens of thousands of assault uh, reports that people say in anonymous surveys but they're not showing up in the SHARP program to encourage reporting. So we have the awareness of We have some mechanisms to treat the problem, and yet the problem persists. Uh, that really was striking to me, that something here isn't working. It's not effective. And you seem to draw that out in a final uh, discussion around culture. How does all of that overlay into some of these specific issues that the GAO identified and that you've been able to uh, uh, articulate in your blog post? 
Well, before we get to culture, I want to stall for a minute and say I took some of those issues that we mentioned a minute or two ago, and I put them into three sort of leading questions. Ask yourself if you're a compliance officer, do I have these sorts of problems within organization? And so questions to figure it out would be something like, do we have conflicting policy statements about insert misconduct here? Could be anything. Uh, in various opponents of the enterprise. Um, and I think that would be very possible in a large global organization, especially when we're talking about speaking up. If you have a large presence in Europe, there's a whole lot of other policy details around internal reporting and employee privacy that you have to navigate. Do you have different policies that are existing in different parts of the end? That's going to be one question to ask. Number two, do we have fully empowered gatekeepers or have we fully empowered gatekeepers to help in escalating concerns to management? That gets back to those sexual assault response coordinators not being ABS commanders. So in the corporate world, that might be something like HR is not allowed to report. Um, the local HR units might not be allowed harassment issues to the main headquarters. You can only report it to CEO. Um, that is exactly the sort of problem that Wall, with its FCPA issues way back in the 10s, where local compliance people had to report to local general counsels and business units, not to the central compliance team in Arkansas. Big mess ensued because gatekeepers were being blocked. Uh, and then third, have you communicated your resources and expectations to first-line managers? And in the Army, that would be the base commander. They're the ones who are running the operating unit, which is a base, and they didn't know what their resources were. So you could think through if you are a plant manager and you're likely to witness sexual harassment, you know, are we the compliance and HR team? Are we reaching those first line plant managers so they know what to do? Maybe they are, maybe they're not, but that think through is how are we reaching the first line to be able to train them? They should implement the policy and how they should handle it. Um, back to your question about corporate culture. So for all of this stuff about policy management we've been talking about for 15 minutes, there's a lot of other problems with sexual assault in the uh, army that I think, you know, it's not just about policy. Um, what struck me as I was reading all of that is that when we go back to that 2020 event where Specialist Guillen was murdered, and then her um, assailant was escaped custody, and he killed himself. And then the army investigated, hired a whole bunch of senior officers. A report that time, the report that was published at the December 20, I think it was, when the uh, senior officers were fired, it did out that there's still a deficit of corporate culture in the army, and senior officers just not taking sexual assault claims seriously. So I'm just going to read out a part of it that I have up here on my screen. The dearth of command emphasis on the sharp allowed form to proceed substance across the installation, the installation being Fort Hood in this instance. The end that a sharp program that appeared to be compliant on the surface, but was hollow and lacking in leadership attention, day-to-day -day implementation, broad acceptance by enlisted soldiers and inculcation into the culture and character of the Fort Hood community. So if I struck out the references to Fort Hood, 
We could apply that to, I think, a lot of big companies. You have a compliance program that looks great on the surface, and nobody really takes it seriously in practice. We have talked about that many, many times on this podcast. I'm sure a lot of listeners are nodding their heads. So there is still, for all of the policy management issues here, there's still a corporate culture failure that too many senior executives in the Army, which are senior officers, really, you know, lieutenant colonels, uh, generals, captains, I guess I'm not quite sure, but they're not the issue seriously enough. And the enlisted soldiers take their cues from that and have this chronic, pervasive issue with the Army. I really found it interesting that you could take this and analogize it over, but it also points to the power of uh, root cause analysis, investigations, and really learning from your mistakes. So I was wondering if you might conclude with a few words about why it's so important to have a deep dive into whatever the issue might be and use the lessons learned really to build out your program going forward, Matt. Well, I I do think that one point we should remember about a root cause analysis is that especially in larger organizations and with issues or organizational deficits that can't seem to be cured, um, it's not a root cause, it's root cause oral. Policy management failures are definitely one cause of what's going wrong with the Army, but so are corporate culture issues. Um, I think so are training issues generally. And you would probably see something similar at a lot of large organizations with problems around, let's just pick a FCPA. You could have weak accounting policies, and you could have poor training, and you could have um, weak attention from middle managers in overseas business units who don't take it seriously. Um, You know, those are going to be multiple causes and you really have to think that through. Uh, You know, you could, I suppose, ultimately say the final root cause is lack of commitment from senior leaders, but how informative is that really? Because if that's true, it can always be true of anything. Uh, There are going to be other causes that are maybe one step short of that, that are still a bit more practical, but they're still deep issues. And if you can't see them, you're never going to make much progress. And so that's why we wind up with something like this problem in the Army. They have been trying to address this for decades, and they are doing a better job than they were, but they're still not doing it anywhere near as well as they should. And uh, I don't think that's anything a lot of Army people would disagree with. Uh, Tom, you and I have had other guests on this podcast who have served in the Army and who talked about these issues. So that's what I would counsel corporate compliance officers to think about. You know, what are the multiple root causes that might be feeding into each other to lead to this much more endemic sort of you might be grappling with? Well, I hope you continue to read GAO reports and continue to data mine them for the compliance community, Matt. I look forward to seeing what next week brings us. Always time every day. Thank you very much. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance in the Weeds. We're going to link to Matt's blog post in the show notes. I hope you will check that out as well. I hope you'll join Matt and I again for another episode of Compliance Into the Weeds next week. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.